and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink, and this is the fourth episode in our series Practically Terrifying, a celebration of 80s creature features. Today we're discussing 1988's Cellar Dweller, directed by John Carl Buechler, written by Don Mancini of Child's Play fame, and starring Deborah Farentino, Brian Robbins, and Yvonne DiCarlo. In the film, Colin Childress, a successful comic book artist who gains inspiration from a mystical book of horrific drawings, inadvertently summons an evil monster into his basement studio. Decades later, his house has become a small art institute. One night, student Whitney Taylor, a devotee of Childress's work, goes looking around the sealed boxes in the cellar and releases the supernatural forces trapped there. That's the ghost of Colin Childress. 30 years ago, he butchered a woman with an axe and then set himself on fire. It's dark. It's gloomy. It's filled with terror. Don't even think about going down there. So why can't people stay out of the cellar? I love to be frightened. If you love to be frightened, then this cellar is the place to be. Yeah, this is, a, again, a lower-budget production, mm-hmm. similar to The Deadly Spawn, which we talked about a couple movies ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple movies floating around, Jeremy. We were, we were going to... You know, we were trying to solidify the, the series and, and the, the films we were going to discuss, and we, we threw around The Fly, Rawhead Rex... Uh, but we ended up settling on this one, and I mean, do, do you think this is a good call for the next next one in our series? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting. I, I mean, I know we we talked about kind of wanting to go back and forth between kind of more well known, yeah. you know, creature features, and then to some that maybe you know our, our audience yeah. might not have seen, or you know, or or maybe had seen once a long time ago and didn't remember. Uh, so I mm. I, th- I think this is kind of a fun one. I think what's cool with this one is it kind of has almost a little bit of a Frankenstein kind of thing to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the idea of it being about the creator of the monster kind of having yeah. to face his, or or in this case, her own creation. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, if we're talking about creature features, you're kind of going back to the... the it's kind of inspired by one of the ones that started it all, if it's, if it's kind of a Franken, Frankenstein adjacent. Yeah. Um, so I actually I, didn't make that connection but yeah i think you're right about that yeah it kind of to me felt like i mean obviously you know frankenstein is exploring something a little different because it's uh well i guess the movie the movie of frankenstein you know he's kind of portrayed as a little bit more of a a lunk you know an aggressive lunk for lack of a better term but you know in in the frankenstein Mm. book he's kind of more erudite and expressive but yeah you know in this one it's like obviously in this one the monster is more of like a monster monster you know, Frankenstein yeah. was a little bit more of a human monster. This one kind of was just like a, mm. a rampaging, you know, uh, <laughs> a beast. But uh, I, I mean, I, I always think it's fun when you get into something where it's the, the, the idea of the creator of the monster having to face their yeah. own creation. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it is a, it's a fun concept. And uh, this one is definitely pure, pure schlock, I would say. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, which is fun, again, like you said, to kind of go back and forth between these larger budget, more well-known mm-hmm. films and then kind of going back, you know, like we talked about The Deadly Spawn, yep. which was, a again, like a lower budget film and, and sort mm-hmm. of like a homemade movie um, shot in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And this is similar to that. Um, what was that number that you, that you, again, this is not confirmed or anything, but we, we found, so we the, did find the, the budget. budget the budget I saw online 
which I, I like the name, so I'll throw it out there, uh, from <laughs> theschlockpit.com, which actually, Perfect. if you're a fan of this show, I don't really know this site, and they're not paying us to say this, but looks like a, a website <laughs> that is pretty comprehensively interested in B-movies, so, you know, go check that out. Um, yeah. But uh, the number I saw was $900,000, which is not tiny, tiny, you know? Yeah. It's not huge, but it's it's not, you know, we're not talking like a, a go make it with your friends kind of movie at $900,000, especially with inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably looking in today's money at least a million, million and a half, you know, mm-hmm. probably a million, which is not a tiny, tiny budget movie, um, yeah. which I think it well, shows. Like you, <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you kind of made a joke compared to uh, The Deadly Spawn, like at least this one was lit. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yes. Uh, there, 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 was, there was clearly uh, a... a, a, a a crew of technicians involved <laughs> yes. in this one, which is, which is, which is fun in its own way. Well, the um, director, I mean, we're going to talk, usually we talk about this more towards the end, but mm-hmm. um, he was involved with a lot of different special effects and mm-hmm. tons of different movies, um, which, and which makeup and things like that, which so. is something that it, it seems to be a pattern with a lot of um, kind of these schlocky yeah. fun eighties movies is a lot mm-hmm. of the time. It seems like they kind of start with the monster and with these special yeah. effects and then build from there with like, like we discussed yeah. with the deadly spawn. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think this one was quite built like that because the monster is, while it's in it a bit, it's not the focus of the movie. Yeah. It's this very one, little screen time for this monster. Yeah. This, this movie is actually, I feel kind of strange saying this because of the, the feel of the movie is actually kind of very character driven. <laughs> Um, it is yeah. like it, it, it's a very character-driven film because it's really all about you know this this kind of girl this young woman we'll get into the plot but this this young woman and her obsession and her kind of vengeful nature and what what draws her to these kind of dark mm-hmm. violent imagery and also there's an interesting <laughs> I mean we'll get it we'll, we'll get there's there's also to <laughs> uh, to hit on as we go further um, before we jump too far ahead and, and kind of surprisingly interesting dialogue about art and what is art in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like sort of like a critique of not yeah. really a critique, but, but more of like a, almost like a, yeah, like a commentary, a commentary on, yeah. art, but, on but, art and artists. And, but, but let's, let's, let's maybe dive into the plot before we, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll start to get into that. But, um, but very first thing I want, I guess like, did you, were you aware of this film at all, Jeremy, like before we decided to talk about it? I think I had heard the name, you know, I, 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 every, yeah. I, fi- I find that every year, uh, at least once a year, I end up looking up a list of bizarre 80s films um, mm-hmm. that, uh, to try to try to find things I haven't seen. And this one, so I'm sure I've come across it, but I, I was never one that really piqued my interest until we started talking mm-hmm. about it uh, as something we could do for this series. Yeah, the name of the movie definitely drew me in, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was about a, a creature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had seen it, I saw it years ago, and then I, I, I remember being pretty, like, unimpressed, I guess would be the word, or, or just, mm-hmm. there was a lot of build-up behind it, because I, I don't know why, for some reason, I was so excited to see this movie. Yeah. And so when I finally saw it, I was, you know, I, I, maybe because the, the creature itself isn't in the movie that much, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it was about it, but it's kind of like, I, I just kind of... You know, it was easily forgettable, I guess, would be mm-hmm. the way to say it. Um, but rewatching it, I kind of had a new appreciation for it. Yeah. And what they were what they were trying to do. Um, and because it, it is more about it's, it's about more than just the creature and mm-hmm. just the monster, you know, which which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, so the film starts with Jeffrey Combs, actually, of reanimator fame. Mm-hmm. He plays the character Colin Childress. 
um, who's really only in this scene, mm-hmm. but very important to the lore of the film. Yeah. Um, we see him down in his basement studio. Uh, he's an illustrator. He's working on a comic book. And I guess at the same time, sort of doing research on some sort of demonic evil rune. Which, uh, quick quick yeah. side note, I did notice somewhere later in the film, one of the characters had a, a reanimator poster hanging up in their bedroom. Oh, so, yeah. That, I saw that in the trivia. Yeah, I, I didn't notice is, it in the film. but It's, it's kind of yeah. a funny, you know. I don't know if um, you know, they, they told him that they were doing that or if it was just kind of a fun little add-on. Um, well, this dire- this director worked on Reanimator. Oh, he worked well. on it. Okay, um, okay. And, right, and right, Bride right. of Reanimator, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was a little little Easter egg there, a little mm-hmm. shout-out. Um, and so we see him, you know, illustrating this comic and it's sort of interspersed with these POV shots from the outside, which is, were very Evil Dead-like, I thought. Mm-hmm. Like kind of rushing up to the house yep. and stuff like that, um, and he turns around and uh, the scene he's been depicting or, or drawing is being played out in front of him of this monstrous creature uh, which is attacking this young woman, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean so we, we get off right off the bat that there's some sort of mystical. I don't know if they ever entirely explain uh, the the, <laughs> what what the, what the rune is or like what the curse is exactly. I yeah. mean they, they kind of go into it a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, but that's that's the basic uh, conceit of the film is that if you draw, if you draw well, it, it will come. Sort there, of. There, there's an interesting thing that I, I you know, a little ahead, but here that I was thinking about, where in terms of the lore, um, I feel like it's totally possible that there actually is no lore and no monster, and that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like oh, like it's all in in their head. Yeah, like it's or, kind of just yeah. the 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 thing that grips an artist, and it's like. You know, because if you yeah. think about it, like, you know, the uh, the whole story with this guy is because it, it says that the girl in the beginning was killed with an mm-hmm. axe and he was holding right. the axe. The monster didn't oh. have the axe. So. Right, right. So I think, you know, it's possible that, you know, to that, that maybe there's kind of something we're supposed to read between the lines. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's just a theory. I it's a very deep movie. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now, one other thing I did want to mention before we get too into it is that this movie is a lean seventy-seven minutes. Mm-hmm. It's very short. Uh, which, really I thought was the per- which I thought was the perfect length, honestly. Oh yeah, for like this Definitely. kind for, for this sure, kind yeah. of movie. That's you know for this kind of movie. I thought yeah. that I, I you know I, it, I sometimes like but these it, kind of movies they can be almost two hours and they can kind of drag, but when they're just like yeah. perfectly you know. 80 minutes, mm-hmm. 75, 80 minutes long. You just kind of get in, get out, and have a, a kind of fun, weird time. It's it's the best. Oh, yeah. And I also love when they stretch the opening credits out like they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the opening and the end credits are pretty long. You can, you can imagine um, the, the, them sitting there at the first cut and being like, ah, oh, shit, it's only 73 minutes long. Yeah. God, we got <laughs> we to gotta, we gotta stretch this out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then we see the credits. And, <laughs> um, and then we're introduced to our main character of the film, Whitney Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's another illustrator or cartoonist, as she describes herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, so uh, I, at first I thought she was going for a job interview or something like that, but it, uh, it appears that this is more of like a, a commune, I, I guess, Co- or a college. It's kind of described. Uh, I, I think I was thinking like an artist colony, you know, like, artist a, colony, like kind yeah. of like a retreat mm-hmm. kind of deal. Right. Which is funny because my novel that I wrote art farm um, is about an artist retreat. And I saw a lot of parallels between it. Interesting. Uh, the basic, the basic plot, you know, the basic, the characters and stuff like that. I saw, I saw a lot of parallels between that 
mm-hmm. and this, which I certainly didn't make the connection. Before, are are right? you sure that so, you didn't uh, <laughs> just, just plagiarize? Yeah. Cellar dweller. Yeah. It's basically just a cellar dweller adaptation. Yeah. Really. Uh, no, just you know, I, like I've always just been into artists, uh, where you know creativity, uh, how they how they work, how they get their ideas and things like that. So that's always interested me. So I, that aspect of the film actually is, is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, and there is some sort of like parody there. We'll, we'll get to uh, one scene in particular that I, that I thought was, mm-hmm. <laughs> was pretty funny. Um, so she, uh, th- this woman, Whitney Taylor, this illustrator, she's a fan of the cellar dweller comic book. So I guess this was like, sort of like a big, it kind of reminded me of like um, tales from the crypt or yeah, you know, there's certain comics that are like that, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, but uh, like the horror comics. Um, and she wants to create her own comic inspired by it. So it seems like she's in the right place. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the guy's house. Uh, so the, the guy who you know, yeah. passed she, she, away she under right mysterious circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> and we meet uh, Mrs. Briggs, played by Yvonne DiCarlo, who is Lily from the mm-hmm. Munsters. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and she plays this very, like, strict... Um, sort of, I guess she'd be like the dean of the school, <laughs> mm-hmm. the head of the school of the of the commune, um, and uh, so we at this point we learn that Colin Ch- Childress was you know like it basically according to legend he went crazy mm-hmm. as you were talking about Jeremy and killed himself. Well, he first he murdered the the woman and then killed himself mm-hmm. by setting himself on fire. Um, apparently that's what they're that's what they're saying. Um, and then, of course, she gives her that warning, like, don't go in the cellar, you know. Which, and then we immediately uh, go in the cellar. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> like, the next scene. Um, and so, yeah, this is basically an artist colony. Uh, we were introduced to the other artists living in the house, uh, including one person that she knows and is not a big fan of, Amanda. Uh, mm-hmm. Amanda. Amanda. Uh, why, you know, I, it's just, like, so funny that they're in this house to me. Like, it's such, like, the perfect... I mean, I know it's for plot reasons, clearly, but it's like, why are they here instead of like anywhere else? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, you just um, you just, you can kind of just imagine the the art colony and the, this board of directors, <laughs> which seems like a very large board of directors for a school with four people in it. But um, yeah. but you can just imagine them being like, where do we want to? You know, where are we going to put our yeah. our art colony? Oh, oh in the murder house. Remember, yeah, <laughs> you know, the murder house. In the murder house. Remember that oh. guy who. <laughs> Who the axe murderer who, yeah, who because he was an murder. artist lost his mind and killed people. Let's put a bunch of artists there and see what <laughs> yeah. happens. Seems like the perfect place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they all they're all you know in this house together, um, which again is, is sort of reminiscent of, of the idea for Art Farm, where it's like it's kind of like this retreat in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and all these artists are together. So again, this idea I find very uh, <laughs> enthralling, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was with it. Um, and of course, Whitney finds herself drawn to the the cellar that she's not supposed to go down, mm-hmm. um, where Childress worked. And uh, so she basically doesn't believe that he murdered the woman and set himself on fire. Um, so she's like, she kind of becomes like a, this detective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, there is another detective. <laughs> There's an artist pretending to be a detective, I believe. Of Raymond Chandler. Film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, homage. Yeah. And so, but but she's like trying to get to the bottom of it. You know, she thinks there's more to it than than what what's what is believed. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, Mrs. Briggs commissions Amanda to videotape her, mm-hmm. um, 
so she kind of follows her around with this, this very large, you know, of the time uh, VHS camera. And I always mm -hmm. love Jeremy in, in movies whenever they use this conceit, mm -hmm. um, because when they watch the footage back, as they inevitably do, it always appears like nicely framed and edited, yeah. and which does happen in a later scene in this movie when they watch back the footage of Whitney. And there's mm -hmm. like this very nice close up of her, and the the footage isn't grainy at all, and the yeah. camera's like not not moving around. Even though she was basically uh, in the dark. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> exactly. Um, so many movies are guilty of that. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those. Maybe being a filmmaker, you notice these kind of. Things I, I you know what it is. I think it's that as 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 filmmakers, you know, there's a responsibility to express information clearly, and they just yeah. can't resist the temptation to do their make job like a, <laughs> you know to, to make production. it good yeah yeah but uh so yeah her and amanda do not get along her whitney and amanda and so whitney uh is, is down in the cellar and she's very angrily drawing a scene in, in a comic of amanda encountering the cellar dweller mm -hmm. now what is a cellar dweller exactly i mean what what's your take on this creature itself like it's very tall i know that it's like i mean yeah. what kind of a creature is it? Is it it really is just like a monster yeah it's it's, it's not yeah. like, i mean it's kind of referential there's there's something kind of you know like uh i guess almost like apish about it but it also has yeah. like fangs and not ape-like ears um mm -hmm. you know it's hairy but uh yeah it's it's kind of a hard one to place. Like it, it seems like kind of a combination of a lot of elements. It's sort of um, like an amalgamate, yeah, of like different. Yeah, like different it, it seems, which is cool. I, I, you know, it's always fun in the same way with Deadly Spawn, uh, where someone creates, you know, a monster that's just totally its own thing. You know, like not yeah. really referencing anything else specifically. Like right. yeah, because it kind of had like almost werewolf ears. Um, mm -hmm. It also, you know, I'm looking at an image now had like the upside down pentagram on its chest. So maybe yeah. it's supposed to be, you know, we know it's something kind of demonic, but maybe it's supposed demonic, to be yeah. like specifically a, a, a Satan adjacent, you know, kind of creature. Yeah, I, I guess I can see that. It's sort of like an like imp, like a tall imp. Yeah, exactly. Like a, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like a... this, this almost looks like the kind of thing you would see in like, uh, what's his name? The, um, uh, the, the guy, the, the divine comedy. Um, yeah. Divine comedy Dante. drawings. Um, yeah, the, it's I, I forget the guy's name. There, there's da one guy. Dante, who, Dante's Inferno, or yeah, but it's from Dante's oh. Inferno. But it's specifically uh, Adore, I think, is his name. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, he did all these etchings, Gust Gustave Doré. Yeah, yeah. He did all these etchings, and he had these kind of strange demonic creatures that he would draw, and it kind of reminds me of that almost. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, has de it definitely has demonic features. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's cool that they made their own thing for this. I mean, how would you compare it to, I guess, the other creatures that we talked about so far? I mean, I think it was, you know, uh, not as kind of gross and weird mm. as maybe some of the other creatures. You Except know? for when it's eating. Except when for when it's eating, eating yeah. But, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's eating with its one mouth in its hands, you know. it's kind of It kind of eats just like a, an aggressive human. But, you know, I'm thinking about <laughs> like, like, de <laughs> like deadly spawn or something like that, like... The way yeah. that that monster existed, multiple and ate mouths, and multiple mouths, and just dripping with goo, and it's like that—that yeah. that felt a little more like, like if I'm going yeah. for like a, a real gross-out kind of monster, mm -hmm. that check the boxes. This one felt more like you know, kind of a, a yeah. hunting animal kind of monster, but it talked. Yeah, so it's a little kind of an in-between, you know. Oh yeah, it does talk. You're right. It's just a little. <laughs> it talks a little that. bit. It's not. It's not very a chatty. Bit. 
but it, it talks a little. <laughs> not very, it's not very chatty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he... Yeah, they didn't really push the grossness factor. No. You're right about that. Um, but I don't know if they needed to, you know? I yeah, don't think it was that yeah. kind of monster. Um, yeah, I... Well, so the scene where she's drawing Amanda uh, encountering the cellar dweller, of course, it actually happens. Mm-hmm. And, Jeremy, I always enjoy a good banana peel prank yeah. ball. <laughs> that, was, that was a great bit. <laughs> Definitely probably my favorite part of the movie uh mm-hmm. yeah she she just like just to add insult to injury she like adds this banana peel yeah that she draws in on the floor and then of course amanda slips on it and mm-hmm. uh, she goes down so just yeah and then so th- i mean this part was a little gruesome because there was similar to the deadly spawn uh there's a lot of blood splatter on the walls in yeah. this part um and <laughs> again those eating effects were really like really well done i thought yeah, because that was pretty gruesome. Like the way he was just chomping and like yeah. you know a little bit of blood was spurting out. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and again, you know, we'll, we'll go to another scene now. But but at times the movie does seem like a parody of artists or kind of like yeah making some sort of a commentary on artists. And uh-huh. particular when I felt this was with the performance artist scene. I, I had to. I knew we had to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, we had so to talk funny. about this. This is like, <laughs> I mean, she's just repeating death death over and over and sort of balloons. dancing around yeah yeah popping stabbing balloons yeah. uh death is sad that was death is sad yeah and just like dropping dolls on the ground that i yeah. i thought that scene like you know it's like i mean the, 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 it's i wouldn't necessarily call this a horror comedy you know because it doesn't no. really feel like it's like trying to make jokes but that was no. one of the funniest scenes i've seen in a movie in a while yeah like i, I was, was just, an overt like comedy scene i was just totally yeah. unprepared because it's just played so straight um, and they're and all look, just sitting there and, you know, she's in her like tights with the, the music playing, which at the time, I don't know if it would have been as funny at the time because that was just like, you know, the kind of music you heard with like commercials and stuff in the mid to right. late eighties. But yeah, like, it, just, e- it comes out of nowhere when you yeah, hear it. But like, like now, like that music and that outfit and her, it's just even like, you know, mm. it's, it's I mean, hysterical. I'm, it's not that off base for some performance art that I've seen. No, and that's what's really so funny about it. Is it like, know. like I like I was watching. I was like, oh, this is satire. But then I was just like, no, you could definitely see this. <laughs> like, this is something you could definitely stumble across out in the wild in in yeah. the art world. Um, <laughs> and, sure. and that and that and that's what tickled me so much about it. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, you, and that, and that's what it was. It was it was the fact that it was like the '80s music and the spandex is like I could see someone doing that now. You know, like, yeah. like, like, just like the 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 little synthy music, wearing spandex head to toe, just death, death, yeah, just over the top, death, um, and their reactions to it. Well, they try to be nice to her, except yeah. for Philip, he's pretty much like that was terrible. Yeah, uh, what the, what did I just watch or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so Phil, that was, yeah, Philip I mean, that, who finger paints. <laughs> yeah, is that what he does? Finger paints. He, at, at one point, he's she was like, "I'm gonna make the ultimate monster," and he goes, "I'm gonna make the ultimate finger painting," which is a good a cup <laughs> is a good set of lines. Okay, so was it was he actually a finger painter though? I don't know. He was, was an abstract. He was an abstract painter. Oh, you know, abstract. So, okay. so it, it's funny because like as as someone who who went to art school, you know, I I find that the movie portrayals of art school are often. Although I guess this is an art school. It's it's more of a residency. Um, yeah. but like, you know, the, it seems to be in some kind of an educational setting because there's, there's a clearly a, a teacher and mm-hmm. critique based and, you know, in, in a lot of movie depictions of art school, it's kind of, uh, a little structureless, 
which was not my experience at all. Like actually art school, I found (laughs) to be very structured because they're trying to teach you how to make something and not just have you kind of running amok making things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's always just something that's kind of funny to me too, is just seeing the, not that people aren't making weird and wild stuff in art school, but it's kind of like, you know, you you have to work through the the foundations to get to that point. (laughs) This did have the feel of more of like a retreat. Yeah, it was more of a treat, yeah. Kind yeah. of a, kind of an educational because they did they they were all graduates of art school so I guess it is yeah it is realistic yeah. that, that that could be the uh, yeah. the case. Um. So at this point, there is another victim that we mentioned the the I guess he's an actor, um, right? Because he's playing he, in the beginning he plays like a a mugger or robber I guess. I, I think the... I think he's a novelist. I think that was what I was picking. Oh, he's a novel. Oh, okay, so he's doing like research on characters. I, I think okay. he's like a like because they mentioned uh, Ray Chandler, who I actually okay. this past summer read a bunch of his books and they're they're awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. He's, yeah, yeah, he's great. Worth reading. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think he he's kind of supposed to be this Ray Chandler film noir kind of guy, which they had one scene that was very film noir, like it was yeah. kind of tonally out of. Like very different. That's where the, the lighting comes into play. Yeah, like yeah. They, they really let him exist. But I think the way I understood it was that he was someone who, in order to get, he was kind of a method writer. Like in order mm-hmm. to get in the headspace of writing his scenes, he needed to sometimes act them out with other people, even if it involved a real loaded gun, and firing okay. a real loaded gun at his friends, right. or near his friends. <laughs> um, which is, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if Marlon Brando would have even gone to that length. Yeah, that's pretty um, extreme. That's pretty method. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I think he was method. a writer. Because when we saw that noir scene, he, he used the, uh, he said the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. A wildly, oh, right. wildly original uh, yeah. uh, uh, simile. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> or I guess metaphor. Well, anyway, to, I don't know. I, I don't know where that one yeah. falls. Uh, well, anyway, he gets his head swiped off. <laughs> in this scene uh now in this scene the creature acts first and creates a page so the the page is created afterwards which is interesting mm-hmm. so it sort of changes at this point um i guess they were kind of like how are we going to get whitney to keep drawing these scenes that doesn't make any sense so yeah they kind of had i guess they had to change it at some point <laughs> um and Whitney discovers it's all because of the curse about summoning this beast. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what happened to Childress, and that's what's happening to her now. Yep. Um, although, so now something else happens that's, that's different. So Mrs. Briggs, the sort of the head of, of this colony, turns into the monster. Yeah. And, and attacks her. Um, so what do we make of that? Is that that that's what I was because I was kind of ready for the plot twist that she had been the monster this whole time. She was a monster. Yeah, exactly. But then. It kind of didn't seem like that. It kind of seemed like the no. monster maybe like possessed her. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was more possession kind of thing. Um, and at this point, uh, so Whitney's you know trying to get away from it, and she spills white out on the page, right where the creature is, and the creature disappears. Pretty good, pretty mm-hmm. good solution to that problem. Uh, but the creature isn't really dead. The hand pops out of the page. And starts coming for, her. and I like in this part how she uses the whiteout. It's sort of like it's the Exorcist, and she's making signs of the cross with it. Mm-hmm. When she's like trying to like ward off the, the the creature or whatever, she's you know making signs of the cross with it. I mean, I don't know if she did that intentionally or not, but mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was very funny to be using whiteout in that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it kind of makes sense, you know, for what she's trying to do. She's trying to send it back to its its own nether world. Um, 
and then all the victims come back and like this sort of happy ending you know starting yeah. with philip her her i guess love interest in the movie mm-hmm. um and the, yeah they all, all the characters come back um i guess because she redraws them right she draws them again on the paper yeah um and now at this point <laughs> this is where things kind of take a turn uh mm-hmm. we, we had talked about these like last little things at the ending we we talked about it in a couple of the movies well mm-hmm. little shop of horrors is not a little one but yeah um there's there's something similar in deadly spawn where um you think the movie's kind of over but really there mm-hmm. you know you're kind of in for something so she sets the paper on fire i i guess to you know so well first she she draws the creature mm-hmm. chained up so it's like chained up and it can't move mm-hmm. um then she sets the paper on fire but then we start to realize that the other people are on the page too like philip was on there and all the others mm-hmm. so it's sort of like this horrific <laughs> like oops real realization like oh no that's <laughs> not good darn uh, and i guess that was yeah. the, last, the last of her paper and she couldn't redraw them i guess not yeah <laughs> i guess she couldn't redraw i didn't even think about that <laughs> or it could just yeah. go back and forth you know i don't know yeah she draws them she destroys <laughs> them she redraws them it kind of it's kind of a maybe she is insane she just you yeah know, that's crazy. kind of a wicked power well and that that's why now that we're at the end that's why i was kind of theorizing that maybe you know she just kind of got caught up in the whole thing and she just killed them all because at the end there are no witnesses left that's true and like you know it, it, like and it, there, there are if we're going to really analyze here there are some inconsistencies in how the monster works um mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone at some point, even though she has this thing where she kind of loves, uh, what's his name, Philip? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, she kind of loves him, and but it's like, he's kind of been a little pushy and weird with her and has, like, looked at her work and come down to the cellar without asking. And, like, yeah. all of them have kind of done something to scorn her somehow. And, yeah. you know, so I don't know. That's why I was like, oh, at the end, you know, maybe it's, she's maybe just she kind of that. losing her shit and just murdered a bunch of people <laughs> in a house. Uh, just like the first guy and you know it's it's they're, yeah. they're, the monster the monster was really just within the mind of the artist but the artist was the the monster yeah. him or herself wherever there is imagination i will dwell that's what yeah that's the word which that and once again here. imagination you know is is See? it yeah is, is he something here Jerry. yeah you know it's I, I i obviously we we don't have a definitive answer here i guess uh i guess um we could we could try to reach out to Don Mancini. He's still alive, right? He's still around. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's he still is, around. Yeah. We could reach out he's, to him. He's making and... a TV show now, right now about Child's Play. So. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, so I guess we could try to reach out to him. I have a feeling we won't hear back on this one. Yeah, uh, probably not. Although, as as he, a note, he, I'm, I imagine he doesn't like to talk about this movie too. Yeah. Much. It, so it says this is as of 2023 his only non-Chucky film, which yeah. is kind of wild actually for a guy who's yeah. had had a career at this point for. Uh, 35 yeah. years. It's also cool that he was, he's actually involved with every child's play work that comes out. Like he's yeah. always either a writer on it or a producer mm-hmm. or director or something like that. So he definitely stuck with it, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, so this is the only, so this came out the same year, I believe as child's play 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine he probably wrote this first and then, yeah, you know, once Child's Play took off, and he's like, "All right, <laughs> no more cellar dweller." Which, like, what a whirl whirlwind year, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like, yeah, he's probably you, like, he, he could have been like, "My life is over." <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I mean, like, who knows? I, just, I, I, I made this yeah. movie, and it just went because you said this one went straight to video, right? Yeah. So this, 
Yeah, I, I believe so. It was released directly to VHS and Laserdisc, mm -hmm. and this might be our first straight-to-home video uh, release that we've talked about on the show. It might be. I believe. I can't yeah. think of any other one. So, Ch Child's Play came out November 9th, nineteen eighty-eight, and this one—I mean, September. The, <laughs> September. So he was probably in September, just like ah oh, shit, you know, like. Yeah, that was a rough month for him, probably. It was, I worked, and then, uh, and then two months later, he had like the biggest horror movie of the year. It's like yeah. yeah, that would be. I would imagine that would be like a real emotional kind of roller coaster. <laughs> roller coaster, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. But it is, it is interesting that yeah, it's the only work he did that wasn't Chucky related. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you see? I mean, have you seen the Child's Play movies? Do you, do you see his hand yes. in this at all? Like, do do you think it's like could be? I don't know. Um, a I little bit. I don't, this this one. I mean, and I'm just guessing here. It's possible he wrote Child's Play way earlier because, as as all artists know, progress is not linear. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it's possible that Child's Play was not written first, but I would guess that yeah. this was an earlier piece of writing that yeah. maybe that, had that's been, my guess too. you know, I mean, let me, I, let me see. I just want to kind of get a sense of, cause I, I, I don't know too much about Tom Mancini. So he was born in 63. So he was still pretty young when both of these, mm -hmm. both of these movies came out actually. Yeah. But like, it's possible well, that this was a movie he wrote when he was like 20 years old and was right. very much still like, uh. Just trying to get into the biz, you know? And just trying to figure out how to write a movie, you know? Right. And it's possible that he wrote this one, like, way... Which, I don't know, but it's possible he wrote this one way younger, and then this one was kind of the jumping-off point, and then, mm -hmm. you know, he once he kind of was grounded in how to write a movie, then he moved on to Child's Play. Um, yeah. But I could be wrong. I don't know. It's possible he wrote Child's Play first, and this one was just kind of a, a bizarre detour he took, Who knows? You know? maybe, maybe this was the one that he was, like, really inspired to write and... Yeah. Who knows? He's putting all his or, hopes in. And, yeah, yeah, or maybe, you know, or maybe as, as a lot of writers experience in their time, particularly in the horror genre, they write their bigger, more expansive movie, which would have been Child's Play, but then he couldn't get money for it, and then there's like, I need a one-location thing. And so mm -hmm. he wrote he wrote this one-location movie. Who knows? But it, 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 did yeah. it did feel like, you know, Child's Play was kind of a, a more uh, expansive, built-out lore. You know, yeah. like, it, it felt like there was kind of a little more thought given to the world you know the kind of world building mm -hmm. and then what the monster i guess if you call chucky yeah. a monster really was whereas this one it, it felt a little looser you know a little shorter yeah. it feels um, like an early work like it, feel, it feels earlier yeah, yeah. Earl, earlier or maybe you know kind of more business driven right you know like I'm, I'm gonna make this because it's one location and you know i'm gonna write it in a couple months and we're gonna go shoot it but all this yeah. is speculation. It's like we said, it's very possible that he spent years writing this and this was his <laughs> his thing that he fell in love with and maybe Chucky was yeah. the thing he's like, I'm just gonna write that in a month. Right. And you who, never know. Who, or really. child child's play, not Chucky, but yeah. Yeah. What's gonna take off and what isn't. Yeah. Um, artists artists are often and which is kind of the point of this this film in a way, <laughs> artists are often not the best judges of their own work. <laughs> Yes, and and the risk you, you can't once your work is out in the world it becomes its own beast. Yep, that is very true. Um, and I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the director John Carl Buchler. We're going to mm -hmm. say that's how we say his name. Um, so he didn't direct too many films. I, I believe about sixteen. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, that, that's a lot. That's quite a <laughs> bit of films. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's um, twice as many films as Paul Thomas Anderson. Or I guess he had probably yeah. nine, but that's that's quite a bit. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. No. He so he directed. I mean, just like, uh, to throw out some names that are 
our cult audience may may uh, recognize mm -hmm. the dungeon master which a lot of times gets pre uh, packaged along with this movie like they'll put them on the same disc or something like that mm -hmm. um and the original troll troll yeah. 2 is like one of, you know we've talked about it on this show it's one of the yeah. notorious uh terrible movies out there and mm -hmm. he so he directed the original troll um and let's not which, forget ghoulies go ghoulies go to college he also yeah directed. Which side note, I was just in, in looking him up a little bit and looking at, because I've never seen the original Troll. I've only seen Troll 2. Um, yeah, I think I've only seen the second. Which is, is just a few fun facts about that, because I feel like I need to go watch it now. One is Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in it. Yeah, she Which is, is kind of interesting. And two, I'm just looking at the list of cast, and there is a character named Harry Potter in it, which <laughs> is kind of, that's just kind of a fun, <laughs> a fun nugget of information. Yeah. But, well, I, I believe the second one has no affiliation with the first one. Yeah, at all. it was one of it's one of those in name things only. So. It's it's kind of like prom night to Hello Mary Lou. Which yeah, has, exactly. Yeah. Or Halloween three. Or uh, Halloween three. Yeah, I it's guess. it's. Which happened a lot back um, in, in the eighties. I feel like that was that's oh, not yeah. a thing you see as much anymore, where there's mm -hmm. just a total departure. You know, yeah. I, I now now it seems like most sequels are really trying to build out and expand upon the lore, whereas in yeah. that decade it seemed like. There were often sequels that were just trying to use the name of the first movie to make a completely yeah. different movie. They're more like a one-off kind of idea. Yeah. Or so, like we have this script, you know, how could we make it work? Yeah. Oh, you know, as, you as just part change, of a franchise. Change this monster to a troll, and you know. Yeah. Exactly. You know, or, or there's a scene in this movie that takes place at a prom. Okay, prom night two. You know. <laughs> <laughs> prom night two. There it is. Um, but he was involved with a lot of makeup and special effects, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and on, on many films, including Reanimator, which we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. um, and obviously the actor from that was in this, Bride of Reanimator, From Beyond, uh, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, um, <laughs> including the original uh, Ghoulies and the sequel as well. So he was, I guess he, he was involved with that franchise. Um, so yeah, I mean, he worked on a lot of different special effects, and I guess this was kind of like his, you know, we talked about like, sometimes you have the monster first and you kind of build the movie around it and it kind of mm -hmm. yeah it has that it has that feel to it which isn't a bad thing i don't think i mean you have to um, you have to think that's probably why he was i mean what had he directed anything before this or was this his, no he had directed a few movies but yeah he had directed yeah. troll already but you have to think that this is you know probably a big reason why he's getting hired for these movies is because of his special effects background right you know exactly cause, yeah because ultimately you know it's, it's just about like how these movies were sold at that point and it's like, you know, you see a trailer or you see a few images on the box. And if you have a really good looking monster, people are going to go see the movie. Yeah. And so it's like, which is kind of a cool thing because it's kind of harder to imagine, you know, someone yeah. from that end of it getting to direct now short of them, mm -hmm. like, you know, writing their own really amazing script or, That's you true. know, directing a really great short film. Like the only situation I can think of where, like, I can think of someone not it's not a special effects person, but like the John Wick movies, the, the director of that started as a stunt, stunt man stunt person yeah a stunt person and then kind of made mm -hmm. his way but same thing I, I my guess is that they probably had the script and yeah. that's what drove that one and then they're like all right well we know you can pull it off but right yeah it's like i don't know yeah, it's, you're, it's you're just right, interesting though. yeah you're right like um a lot of these films especially in the 80s mm -hmm. were sort of built around like when someone's walking through blockbuster and they see this on the cover you know are mm -hmm. they going to want to see it or not so you know, you see this creature or this monster on the cover, and you're like, "All right, I'll check this out." You know, well, a lot uh, of these—it's hard to imagine now. Obviously, a lot of these guys, 
a lot of these special effects artists did end up directing at some point. Am I, if I'm yeah, correct. it seems like it. Like you well, know, I mean, ones... they, it's not what they're really known for, mm -hmm. um, but you know, a, a lot of them kind of did slide into the director's chair from time to time uh, to try to make that leap uh, to varying degrees of success. But right, it is cool that they you know that they were able to go do that. It's yeah. Exciting. I was just I was just wondering if Tom Savini. I, I was literally looking up the same thing. I'm not seeing any <laughs> directing credits for him. No, I'm not seeing any. Which either. is kind of surprising, considering how many that directors love him. Yeah, you know, it's true. Like maybe he, he like never had, a, never like maybe he never had any interest in it. Because he he kind of yeah maybe because he maybe he just saw how stressful it was and was like no, yeah I'm good. <laughs> yeah I don't I don't um, want to be involved with because you know because he he, had, he had longevity you know because he he was. You know, obviously he had all of the stuff he was doing in the 80s, but then well into the 90s, you know, he had, in the 70s, you know, he's obviously, but like, you know, he had relationships with like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino and like the kind of directors du jour of the mid 90s. Yeah. Uh, he probably at that point after From Dust Till Dawn where he was in that and he probably could have gotten yeah, his he, own movie he, made at that point, but. He has, yeah, he has acted a lot in, in different yeah. movies, but. Never, never um, slid to the director's chair, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, that's probably his choice mm -hmm. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, I mean, this is, you know, more, more to talk about with this film than you would think, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, when you were first looking at it. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this one, Cellar Dweller, is certainly not talked about mm -hmm. as much as, as some of other creature features, you know, out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but what are your, I guess, your final thoughts about Cellar Dweller, Jeremy? Uh, you know, Cellar Dweller was fun. Um, it's, you know, I, I think, I think... In this set of movies we've watched, it's not necessarily my favorite, um, yeah. but I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I watched it for that uh, performance art scene alone. If anything, yeah, that was great. That that like <laughs> that, that was, you know it's like, it's, that was it's, it's you know it's short. You know it's a fun little watch. It's kind of a cool like you know yeah. If you end up at a horror trivia night, mm -hmm. and there's a cellar dweller question. Um, <laughs> It'll be, it, like that, you know, that you'll major props to know, you know, some cellar. <laughs> yeah. um, you get that. Yeah, you get respect for that one. Also, I um, just want to bring up because, you know, which, which we haven't been doing enough for this series, I realize. But uh, the, the, the VHS cover, the slogan was oh. it'll eat you out of house and home, which is interesting because they are neither in a house nor home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it is a house. It is right? technically a house, but it's it's, you know, kind of more of a. I don't know, a communal yeah. living space. Yeah. Um, which is also funny, just looking on Wikipedia, the image for the cover, which feels very in line with the movie and this kind of aesthetic, the image is not just the poster. It is clearly a VHS cover because there is <laughs> yeah. a sticker that says 1285 <laughs> on the front. Um, I, just, which, I just clicked on it because I was like trying to get a closer look. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a sticker, which is, is, is fun because it goes to show that the people that have kept this movie alive are not the you know the powers that be they are mm -hmm. clearly people like myself and mark and our listeners who just find <laughs> these kind of curio these kind of curios yeah. and, and keep them going so that was one note yeah. um a couple other things i just wanted to draw attention to i'm looking at my notes here um one i like the the kind of primal scream scene there was uh uh the the one artist oh yeah uh, the artist friend. What was her name? It's escaping me. It was Whitney. Was the that was a good touch. The lead um, artist. Uh, Amanda was, was the the one we didn't like. The mean one. It's probably probably Lisa. Lisa was just outside screaming, um, <laughs> yeah. and was, was just like, "Oh, I'm just getting it out of my system," which I thought just that get was, out. Yeah, that was a good little. Yeah, that little was nice. 
Um, let's see. I like the film Noir bit just because it was kind of so out of left field and fun. Yeah, it was out of um, nowhere. <laughs> uh, and then the banana bit. And then one thing I loved that was at the very end, um, in the credits actually, when it said cast, above the cast it had a note that mm. said, a good cast is worth repeating. Um, yeah. which, I, which I love. It's just, it's just you know, it's, it's, I think it is, is with, with in, indie film in general, but I think especially when people are making kind of lower budget horror films and, you mm-hmm. know, it's maybe kind of earlier in their careers and they're just having fun with it, um, they, they kind of will do stuff like that. And, and I think this movie, it was clear that the people working on it kind of had fun with it. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, you know, that, that was kind of heartwarming for me because as we've yeah, talked about was... many times on this show, you know, for all of the things we talk about with film and the kind of film world in general and the kind of whole critical discourse around film, it, everyone can take it so seriously. But at the end of the day, it is just art, you know, in the same way, mm-hmm. you know, like a film is really no more serious or important than that girl standing on the stage and just saying <laughs> death and popping balloons. Death. It's all just how people <laughs> choose to express themselves. So I, I think, you yeah. know, it, it's cool that it was clear people are having fun with this. And, and that always makes yeah. me happy to see. It has heart to it when these lower budget productions, you know. It's, yeah. And, and again, it, like you said, it's not like you're dedicating your whole night to this movie if you're yeah. watching it. It's, it's a short It's watch. very short. Short. It's fun. You know, it has an interesting idea behind it. And a good double feature movie. You could easily slide this in with it something It is a great... Else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Maybe one of his other movies, like The Dungeon Master or Troll. Yeah. yeah. You know, something like that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought I had a good time with it. I I appreciated it a lot more seeing it the second time. I thought, mm-hmm. um, just the the whole critique about artists and everything, I, the eccentricities about that and everything. Yeah. I thought were pretty pretty spot on, <laughs> and also, interesting I'm, and different for a, for a horror film. You don't usually see that too much. Yeah, I'm also just looking now because we're digging kind of deep. The guy who produced this. There's a guy named Charles Band. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Who, uh, he's, a... he, he's done, you know, it looks like he produced um, just a bunch of stuff and is still going strong still... producing weird, schlocky horror movies. So that's yeah, also... He's... His name is associated with a lot of schlock. That's also comforting uh... to see. Is You know, he, he's, he's responsible for Evil Bong. Evil Bong. Evil Bong, the gingerbread man. Uh, Evil Bong six six six, Evil the, Bong seven seven seven. The creeps. He's he's been around, and since since it looks like the, uh, the seventies. So also just you know, mm-hmm. always cool yeah. to see someone just continuously doing their thing, yeah. uh, outside exactly. of the outside of the comforts and, uh, uh <laughs> security of of the mainstream. Like he he's doing this all on his That's own. Right. He continues to do it. So maybe you know, check. passionate. Check out his stuff as well if, if you're into this kind yeah. of this kind of thing. The ginger dead man. Ginger dead man. I say gingerbread. Ginger yeah. dead man. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's passionate about his schlock. So. Yeah. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Check out more of his stuff for sure. I'm seeing a um, a documentary called Badass Mother Motherfuckers. Uh, part of my French. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. So I don't know what that is, but I you know. Doesn't say what it's about. Now I'm curious. No, yeah, but I'm I'm very curious now. I'm gonna have to look into some of these this guy's movies because it's it's. I'm cool. assuming exploitation, something about exploitation movies, probably. But yeah, he's he's really he's really done a lot of stuff through the years. So, yeah, I, I should check out more of his work. Actually, yeah. So so yeah. So that that's cool. It's it's a, a reason to kind of dig into. There you go. Yeah. 
He did Creepazoids also. He produced that, it looks like, which was... Oh, Creepazoids. That was another movie another, we were Another film we were discussing. talking about maybe doing. <laughs> and, Raw, yeah. and Rawhead Rex. And Rawhead Rex. So... Did he... Did he... It oh, looks like he... Uh, uh, Empire International Pictures, which I think is his company. Yeah. So he, oh. he, he produced them. He didn't direct them. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I see. Yeah, there's, there's different lists. Okay. So actually yeah, a guy who's, who's kind of very important in the... Uh, the creature 80s creature feature space so yeah cool discovery you know i, I didn't really yeah heard of definitely him, so. yeah the movies he's produced is like so if you add those in there's even more yeah uh, quite a, quite a lot a of them <laughs> extensive filmography terror vision yeah troll of course mm-hmm. um wow yeah a lot of these okay yeah i mean you could just take this list and have a a great couple weekends you know yeah just <laughs> have a really good time um so yeah, I mean, it, this movie was a good time, and I, you know, I like I said, I enjoyed it even more watching it this time, and uh, I'm glad we got to talk about it on the show. I'm glad we kind of go back and forth between these different types of films. Mm-hmm. Um, next time we are going to to discuss in, what, in my opinion, would be sort of from both camps. Uh, the movie mm-hmm. Pumpkinhead. It's sort of you know it's, it's well known, but it's it's not really discussed in the same breath as you know other. Like Nightmare on Elm Street or yep. you know Friday, Friday the Thirteenth or think, movies like that, so mm-hmm. it's sort of you know in between there. So I think it's like cool one to end on, yep. and um, so we'll be discussing that next time to close out our series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until then, thanks so much for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on the usual social media. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult@gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.